Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit dogwood.church. Join us now as Pastor Keith shares today's message. Friday morning, Donald John Trump was sworn in as President of the United States of America, and power and responsibility uh, was uh, traded off, transitioned uh, once again. And you know, um, Power has always changed hands in the history of the human race, and it, uh, it almost always has caused controversy, sometimes bloodshed, sometimes it's been very ugly. And uh, this transition has had its share of controversy and um, its share of people behaving badly, don't you think? Yep, it has. It has the the passage that Pastor Chad Crouch read to us as we begin our prayer time informs our message uh, this morning. It's a call for uh, some people to repent, but it's not a call for those people out there to repent. It's calls for these people in here, you and me, who say that we are followers of Jesus uh, to repent and live in, in certain ways. I've I've listened, I've been dismayed, some of you have been dismayed, many have been dismayed, not just um, people of of the Christian faith or other religions have been dismayed at some of the behavior, some of the violence, and some of the other uh, things uh, in our uh, culture, rightly so, rightly dismayed at that. But the tendency is to think, we need some, we got to fix those people out there that are the uh, problem. But in the passage that we just read and prayed through, God says, if my people, my people, who are called by my name, who say they are my followers, Jesus Christ, followers of Jesus Christ, if they will humble themselves, that means that we, uh, it, it's, a, it's a continuous action. Uh, it means speak starts in the present and continues into the into the future, that we will continuously humble ourselves. That means humble ourselves before God, that we would admit that there is a God and we're not Him. There is a God and we are not Him. And uh, humble ourselves before God and pray. And actually the psalmist says that the act of praying is an act of humility. It's an act of admitting that uh, He is God and I am not. When we pray, we are praying because we think we need outside help. Right? Right? That's why we pray. It is in and of itself the act of humbling ourselves before God by praying. If we humble ourselves and pray and seek His face, now that term seek His face means seek relational intimacy with God as the highest priority of our our life. That we are, again, continuous action that continues on into, starts now, continues on into the future. That we are doing the things to seek, to draw near to God, to know Him, to understand Him, to love Him, to follow Him, to enjoy Him, to be transformed by Him, to become like Him, to be instruments in His hands uh, is the highest priority of our life. Uh, if we will humble ourselves and pray and seek His face and, here we go, turn from our wicked ways. Not if figure out how to get those people out there to turn from their wicked ways. But we turn from our wicked ways. Our wicked ways said. What's our wicked ways? Well, I've just been looking at some obvious Facebook. Next verse. Where are we here? Uh, 
And so, I mean, just in the last 24 hours, what are you thinking? And so God calls on us to turn from our wicked. What does repentance look like for God's people? Um, you see, one of, the, one of the general principles of the teaching of God in the Scriptures and one of the, one of the uh, values or one of the practices that we have as Dogwood Church is we say this, we do not expect people to behave like Christians until they are one. And so expecting fellow citizens of our country who have not been redeemed, whose hearts have not been transformed by the saving power of Jesus Christ, to expect them to behave like Jesus is kind of silly. It's, it's, it's forgetting. Who, who, who is expected to act like Jesus? Yes, let's pray. Here's the offering. Let's go home and act like Him. And so He calls on us, my people, to repent from their wicked ways. So what does repentance look like? For us, well, it means to stop doing some things, but it means also to start doing some right things. Some of it is just I need to. Oh, here's some. It's continuous obedience and adjusting our life as we uh, as we uh, adjust. So, what do what do we Christians do here in the United States of America in the midst of this transition of power and all of the stuff that's going on uh, in our culture? Well, there are many things that we are to do. Uh, I'm going to start with just one of those today, and it's how to pray for a president. In fact, we are commanded by God Himself in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, the Lord Jesus inspiring by His Spirit the Apostle Paul in his writings to Timothy, the young pastor at the church in Ephesus. Um, he says that we are to, as His followers, to pray for our political and governmental leaders at every level, at every level. And here's what he says, this is God's Word. First of all, then, I urge that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone, for kings and all those who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good, and it pleases God, our Savior. Now, at the time of this writing, uh, of by the Apostle Paul, Nero was Caesar. He was the head of the Roman Empire. And uh, Paul was instructing the Christians to pray for the well-being and success of Nero himself. He's not a nice guy. He was a terrible guy. He murdered his own mother. He ruled with terror. He crushed the opposition, all of his opposition in the Roman Senate. He claimed to be divine. He claimed to be a god and pressed that claim for as long as he lived. He burned his own city of Rome uh, so that he could rebuild it in a grander scale uh, it, like he wanted to be done so, and it was such a tragedy that he, but he blamed the Christians. He diverted the guilt to the Christians, and so he led a one to two year radical persecution of the Christians in and around uh, the city of Rome primarily, but across the Roman Empire. He burned Christians alive, and he had them slaughtered by wild animals in, 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 uh, paid entertainment as these spectacles that the Roman citizens would come and uh, watch the Apostle Peter and the Apostle um, Paul himself, tradition tells us, were two of his victims during this persecution. And yet this is the man 
that God through the Holy Spirit inspired the Apostle Paul to say, and so what do we Christians do? First of all, we, I urge that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone, for kings and all those who are in authority. All those who are in authority. What were Christians to do? They were to pray for Him. And they were to pray good things for Him. Now, and so I'm going to call on you to pray for the new president. Now, some of you think you know who I voted for. You don't. You don't. You don't know. Uh, I, uh, Howard, I've always followed that, the rule of that great theologian and philosopher, my daddy, who when my mama would come to him for every election, whether local or national, and she'd say, well, Bobby, who do you think we should vote for? He'd say, this is the United States of America. I don't have to tell you who I'm voting for. You know, we, we value the secret ballot here, you know, so you don't know who I voted for. But you, you can know this. You say, well, are you calling us to pray? I, you, might, you might be excited about this new president. Personally, as a person, you might not be excited. But um, this is the same message that I taught our church three previous times. I taught our church to pray this prayer when Bill Clinton was inaugurated as president. I taught our church to pray this prayer when George Bush was inaugurated. I taught our church to pray this prayer when Barack Obama was inaugurated as President of the United States. And here we go again. I am an equal opportunity prayer. And, uh, and so uh, we are following the king of the world here, and he's admonishing us to pray for the ruler of this nation certain things. Now, uh, if, you, if you go back to the Old Testament book of 1 Kings, about chapters 1 and 2 and along in there, you will find the story of the transition of power from King David, that, that, one, that uh, prominent ancient Hebrew king, the transition of power as he was an old man close to his death, to one of his sons, Solomon. Now there was some controversy and some all kind of doing political maneuvering and, and, uh, that went on there, but you find the, the story of the transition of power from King David to King Solomon. In Psalm 72, the psalmist, Psalm 72, we find recorded there the prayer that was prayed for King Solomon as he began to govern the nation of Israel. Now, some scholars say that this was actually penned by King David, one of the Psalms of, of David. Other scholars say maybe, maybe not. We're not sure who it was. We do know that it was one of the holy men of old, as the Scriptures say, inspired by God's Spirit to pen the words of Scripture, and it made it all the way into the Bible, Psalm 72. It is a prayer that was prayed for King Solomon, and God seemed to answer that prayer, and He seemed to give Israel uh, a magnificent 40-year period of great prosperity, spiritually, economically, diplomatically, uh, uh, a time of great peace. And in this prayer, you and I are going to find some practical instructions on how to pray for a new president, whoever they are, whoever they might be. Uh, when I said pray for the president, well, what am I going to pray? Well, I'm going to give you some things. This is not everything that we should pray for. And let me say this, not everything in this psalm applies to our current historical situation because uh, we have a different uh, governmental structure, form of government than ancient uh, Israel had. Um, they, you'll find in here a prayer that Solomon 
His reign as a king would would be a dynasty that would continue for generations, for gener- as long as the sun shines and the moon exists. You're going to see. So, there, so there's a prayer for Solomon and that his rule and reign would continue on. His sons would keep being the kings of Israel. Uh, it was somewhat of a theocracy there. We don't have a theocracy and today, even though some people may act like they want to. What I say last week, we don't like a theocracy because everybody wants to be Theo. And um, that doesn't work out really good. We've discovered down through history. We've already got a God and we're not Him, remember? We're not Him. And so some of these things, again, apply specifically to Solomon. But, but when you come to Scripture, what you want to ask God to reveal to you as you study Scripture for yourself is show me the eternal principles that apply to all people in all, at all points in history. There'll be some principles there. We're going to discover some things that we can and should pray for our president, just like we have for the last three. So you ready? Well, here we go. I'm going to do it anyway, whether you're ready or not. So here we go. Uh, We go to Psalm 72, and I want you to look there, and let me read this to you. This is God's Word. I'm reading from the Christian Standard Translation. God, give your justice to the king and your righteousness to the king's son. He will judge or rule, govern your people with righteousness and your afflicted ones with justice. May the mountains bring prosperity to the people and the hills righteousness. May he vindicate the afflicted among the people, help the poor and crush the oppressor. May he continue while the sun endures and as long as the moon throughout all generations. May he be like rain that falls on the cut grass, like spring showers that water the earth. May the righteous flourish in his days and prosperity abound until the moon is no more. May he rule from sea to sea and from the Euphrates to the ends of the earth. May desert tribes kneel before him and his enemies lick it. The dust. May the kings of Tarshish and the coasts and islands bring tribute. The kings of Sheba and Seba offer gifts. Let all kings bow down to him and all nations serve him, for he will rescue the poor who cry out and the afflicted who have no helper. He will have pity on the poor and helpless and save the lives of the poor. He will redeem them from oppression and violence, for their lives are precious in His sight. May He live long. May gold from Sheba be given to Him. May prayer be offered for Him continually and may He be blessed all day long. May there be plenty of grain in the land. May it wave on the tops of the mountains. May may its crops be like Lebanon. May people flourish in the cities like the grass of the field. May His name endure forever as long as the sun shines May His fame increase. May all nations be blessed by Him and call Him blessed. May the Lord God, the God of Israel, who alone does wonders, be praised. May His glorious name be praised forever. The whole earth is filled with His glory. Amen and amen. I like how it wraps up by saying, if leaders lead right, God is praised. God is praised. The prayers of David, son of Jesse, are concluded. This is God's Word. So there are about seven things here I want you to see. Grab a pen, grab a piece of paper, jot these down, put these in your prayer list. 
so that you can systematically pray for our president. And let's first of all pray that our new president will lead with godly wisdom from the Bible. Lead with godly wisdom from the Bible. This is what the psalmist prayed for Solomon in verse 1. God, give your justice to the king and your righteousness to the king's son. The psalmist was praying that Solomon, the new king, would conform to God personally to God's standards of justice and righteousness. Now, these are expressions of godly wisdom created by and informed by God's word. You see, the, the ancient Israel kings, as talented as they may have been, were charged and expected to live in accordance with and alignment with the moral and ethical uh, and uh, uh, justice and righteousness as spelled out in God's Word, to have wisdom, to take knowledge and know how to best apply it for the common, common good. And so to this end, when every Israeli king was coronated, they were given a copy of the Law of Moses, or the first five books of the Old Testament. Now, when our presidents are sworn in, they lay their hand on the Bible. Uh, our, our new president, the United States, put his hand on top of two. The Lincoln Bible and a Bible that his mother gave him in, when he was in Sunday school as a little boy growing up. Now, that's good, but we want him to open the things, right? You, you think that might be a good idea? You know, we don't want him to be like most of us Americans who we have Bibles all over our house and we think, that's good, I got a Bible. I mean, I'll go visit in some homes sometimes. Sorry, guys, but I just got to call you out on this. And it's like they took the old family Bible out and they put it on the coffee table. The preacher's coming. It looks all, so, never been opened. You know, you'd have to crack that thing open with a crowbar. It doesn't do you any good to have them hanging around. You got to open them up and get it in your soul. And so let's pray that he does and is formed by godly wisdom. The same way you and the only way you and I are transformed is by engagement with and reflection on the scriptures, the word of God, Bible intake. And that's where godly wisdom is found in the Bible. So let's pray. Let's pray for our new president that he would lead with godly wisdom from the Bible. And also, number two, pray that he would govern with justice and righteousness. This is what the psalmist prayed for Solomon in verse 2. He will judge your people with righteousness and your afflicted ones with justice. Our God is a God who is completely righteous. That means he's completely right. He's morally good and pure. There's no darkness in him at all. And he is completely just. Completely just. Well, he prayed that that the, the king would judge people or rule people with the same kind of righteousness and your afflicted ones with justice. So pray that as the scriptures are opened, that our new president would have encounters with the Lord Jesus Christ, the God of the Bible, and that his own heart would be transformed and find a source of justice and righteousness to be able to govern all the peoples of our country with justice and righteousness. Number three, pray that our president will be an instrument of God's blessing on all the people, every citizen of our country. Now, this is what the psalmist prayed for Solomon in verse 3, in verses 6 and 7, and in verse 16. Take a look at it, verse 3. May the mountains bring prosperity to the people and the hills righteousness. May he be like 
rain that falls on the cut grass, like spring showers that water the earth. May the righteous flourish in his days and prosperity abound until the moon is no more. Verse 16, may there be plenty of grain in the land. May it wave on the tops of the mountains. May its crops be like Lebanon. May people flourish in the cities like grass of the field. The the psalmist prayed that Solomon, the new king, would be used by God as a source of great blessing and that his leadership of the country would be a great blessing to all the people of the nation. That the result of his ruling with godly wisdom, righteousness, and justice would bring, see that word, prosperity. Circle that word prosperity in your Bible. Now, we think in terms of economic prosperity, but that was an ancient Hebrew word there that meant prosperity of soul. It meant a deep inner sense of well-being that we become, we are turned into the kind of people uh, uh, that are the kind of people that, that God created us to be where we have, we are healed in our souls. Prosperity of soul. He, he prayed that the king's rule would be as refreshing to the citizens of Israel as a summer rain shower on a dry field that the effects of his term uh, of leadership would, have, would be that wonderful. And so we are to pray that the leadership of our president would be like that for our country, for all people, praying that he'd be a blessing to all the people, that he would be successful in the job that our Constitution gives him. I've always been fascinated uh, no matter who we elect as president, that immediately there are many, many, many people who oppose everything that he does and, and work that he not be successful. Now, we've got a few airline pilots hanging around in here. That's kind of like us getting on a plane, Rich, with you going to fly us to L.A. and us pray that you mess up. I, I, I don't get that. I, I want my pilot to be very successful. You say, whether I care about the rest of you or not on the plane, I'm a pretty selfish guy. I want things to work out really good for me. To pray that the leader of a country, your own country would fail, to work that they would fail. Now, again, we're, pray, you know, again, we're praying that we're working for the right things, the right way, for the right reasons that would be a blessing. I want, I want a president to be successful at all that. And so we're to pray that, they w- that our president would be a blessing. Number four, we're also to pray something very specifically here, we learn, that our president will defend, deliver, and rescue the poor and needy and oppressed people of our country. There are many. This is what the psalmist prayed for Solomon in verse 4, in verses 12 through 14. Look at it. May he vindicate the afflicted among the people. Help the poor and crush the oppressor, for he will rescue the poor who cry out and the afflicted who have no helper. He will have pity on the poor and helpless and save the lives of the poor. He will redeem them from oppression and violence, for their lives are precious in his sight. Now, it's been a sad thing for me over my life to watch our different group political groups um, in our parties and, and different groups, interest groups, including my own interest groups in our country, 
uh, criticize each other and say, well, you care for the poor, you don't care for the poor, but we do. Or you don't, no, you don't care for the poor, but we do. I don't, I don't, I really, most Americans in most groups really want people in our country to be cared for. Where we've disagreed is on how to go about it. How to go about it. So I, I think we could tune it down a little bit there. And let's pray that we get some solutions here. But the psalmist prayed that Solomon, the king, would lead the charge to get her done. To get it done. And you know, it's common throughout history, uh, and you know this, the history of fallen sinful human beings separated from God because of their sin, that those who come to power tend to oppress and take advantage of the poor and the weak in their countries that they lead. We see it all over the world. Egocentric, sinful leadership. Dictators, kings, prime ministers, whoever, who oppress, who kill, who starve, who even enslave their own people, who don't care about their own, own people. It has always been the exception for a ruler to be kind and gracious to the poor and the weak, especially unusual for a ruler to champion the well-being of the poor and the downcast. Yet this is what the Lord God, the maker of heaven and earth, desires for every leader of every country to be and do. I mean, this, this word of God, this authoritative word of God clearly calls on the leader of our country and all of our leaders to marshal all of the influence and solutions and exhortation and, and resources possible to champion the cause of the poor and the downcast. You say, wait a minute, I thought this church was supposed to do that. Well, it's not either or according to the scriptures, it's both and. Yes, the churches of Jesus Christ, we are charged to feed the hungry, clothe the cold and exposed, visit the sick and those in prison, pursue justice for those who are wronged and oppressed, battle for those who cannot battle for themselves, speak up for those who uh, can't speak up for themselves, uh, exert our, our influence uh, for those who have no influence uh, in our lives. We churches are, are to do that. Oh, looks at the, Oops, the Bible doesn't stop there at church. It goes to your family, in my family, and says that we as Christ followers, as families, are to practice hospitality uh, and, uh, to, to those in need. Hey, it gets worse. It gets right down to you and me individually. He says to you and me as individuals that we are to spend our lives as the servants of all, giving our lives away in service in the name of Jesus Christ uh, to uh, praying for the, those who are in need, giving of our own resources, binding up the wounds of the sick. God lets no individual nor institution off the hook. Not a one. I mean, that's why we, our church created in 1997, 98, the, the Real Life Center. And that's why we, we invest a lot of time and money and people and programs and, and facilities in uh, caring for those who find themselves under-resourced in our own church family and in our community right here in Fayette and Coweta County. Uh, and that's why we, churches all over the, the world, um, uh, do this. But God lets none of us off the hook. And in uh, Psalm 72, not even the President of the United States himself. So pray that our new President would pursue righteousness, that our new President would pursue justice and provision 
and relief for those who find themselves under-resourced and left out in our country. But the psalmist does not stop there. Here's, another, here's a fifth thing to pray. Ready? Jot this down. Pray that, that our president would love the poor as his own life. Now the psalmist prayed this for Solomon. For, look at verse 14. For their lives are precious in his sight. This is a phrase that means that as the psalmist was praying for the most powerful man in the world, the king of Israel, who would become arguably the wealthiest man who would ever live on the planet, Pray that he would love the poor, the needy, the afflicted, the oppressed, the weak, so much that he would see their life as his life. Their pain is his pain. Their suffering as his suffering. Pray that he would love see their, their lives be precious in his sight. So, okay, I'll pray that for the president. And then I had to ask myself this week as I was praying through this stuff, well, do I love, do I love pe- the poor? Do I love people who are under-resourced like my own life? Mm-mm. You know, I, I love me a lot. Do you love you a lot? That, that's part one of my problems. I mean, I, I love myself appropriately, but I go beyond appropriate into probably inappropriate. So how in the world does this happen? Well, we need a Savior to do this. We need a, we, that's why we need Jesus. It's a reminder, even as your followers, wow, I'm in process. <laughs> I'm going to pray this for the president. I don't even do it myself. So... God, change my heart, O God. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit uh, within me, the Scriptures say. And so, but that's what he says. Pray this for the, the president, that the, those in our country who are destitute, who are disadvantaged, who are the social outcasts in our country will not only be some, of the pres- some that our president rules over, but that they become a personal, individual concern, like the innocent unborn. Uh, this coming weekend, there's another march in Washington. And it's a march uh, for unborn women and unborn young men. Evangelicals for life. Our own denomination is helping put this thing on. So, go to Washington next weekend if you can. Evangelicals for life. Uh, but we, we become concerned for the innocent unborn, for the homeless, the sick that can't afford care. So pray for our president, that he's part of God's solution for that. Number six, uh, the psalmist does not start there. He also says, uh, pray that our new president would serve long enough to perfectly fulfill God's plan for his leadership. The psalmist prayed this for Solomon in verse 5 and 15 and 17. Listen to this. May he continue... While the sun endures and as long as the moon throughout all generations. Now again, that's he, he's praying for his dynasty at that point. Now that's not what we're praying for here. But listen to this. May his name endure forever as long as the sun shines. Here's the principle. There have been many great, good, great and good rulers whose influence and leadership have been cut short seemingly before God was through with them and before we were through with them, usually by sickness or war or assassination. And so the principle here is pray that a leader uh, is around long enough to perfectly do what God intended for them to do. That's a good thing to pray. And finally, number seven, pray that our new president 
would influence world leaders with a powerful, positive, peaceful leadership. The psalmist prayed this for Solomon in um, verses 8 through 11, verse 15, and verse 17. Uh, There's a lot that he prays that only applied to Solomon there. May he rule from sea to sea and from the Euphrates to the ends of the earth. Uh, He he says things like desert tribes kneeling before him and his enemies licked the dust. I mean, you know, he was praying some things that he really wanted. Uh, He had some particular enemies of Solomon and Israel in mind there. The kings of Tarshish and coasts and islands. Then he began to say that may these other uh, uh, allies and friends, may they... uh, be blessed by Him, bring tribute, good relationships. Um, here's verse 17. This is what He's praying. May all nations be blessed by Him and call Him blessed. So the psalmist was praying for King Solomon that God would give him a role of leadership and respect internationally that would not only be good for Israel, ancient Israel, but would be good for the whole cotton-picking world. See, we as Christians, we are citizens of the whole world. We We have dual citizenship. We're citizens of heaven and we're citizens of the United States of America, those of us who are are here. But our concern, you know, I, I appreciate that the president's saying, God bless you and God bless America. I just want to say one more thing. And God, would you go ahead and bless the whole world while you're at it? Because the whole world's a mess. We need God's grace in the international community and we need to pray that we would have a president who would be used by God to bring blessing to the whole world. Because, you know, uh, uh, if we're blessed, you're not. This either or thing, that's not a, that's not a Christian notion. That's, a, that's a, a scarcity way of looking at the world when God says, I got enough grace and blessing for the whole world. In fact, I got the whole world in my hand got the whole world in my hands. And so we want to pray that uh, God would use our president in a powerful, positive, and peaceful way in the international community. Our president has an overwhelming responsibility domestically and also has this entire international community to relate to. Who is up for that? So we pray that God would do this and David, uh, the, the psalmist exhorts us in, Psalm, in uh, verse 15, may prayer be offered for him continually and may he be blessed all day long. Pray for the president. May prayer be offered for him continually and may he be blessed all day long. Blessed. I think of the bless acrostic in addition to these things. May he be blessed. B-L-E-S-S. I've taught you to pray this way for people in your life. Add it on. B. May he be blessed all day long, every day. Bless him, Lord. His body. B for body. Health and wellness and energy to do the job. L. His labor. The work of his hands. uh, This work as president that God would bless uh, and and, and that it would be good and right and... uh, Blessed by God. E, emotions, that he would be filled with the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace, rather than any other emotions that uh, S, the first S, 
bless his social uh, relationships, that he would uh, have God's grace and ability to be a relationship builder. That might be a little challenge there, you think? I mean, you know, some, some of us have more people skills than others. Well, so pray that, that God would give, give uh, him the capacity because of this interaction with the God of the Bible and his love and justice and wisdom and the Savior that uh, he would have the power to build good relationships and heal broken and bruised ones. The final S, his spiritual life. Pray that he'd be saved. So you don't, you don't say, I don't know. You know, the only person I know about their salvation really is me. And the only one you know about really is you. Now God knows, but I don't know. But but pray that he would deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow Jesus. Is that a good thing to pray for anybody? Yeah, it is. Well, pray that. Bless it. B-L-E-S-S. So, uh, we're going to do that now. Pray with me. And then we're going to sing. Our musicians are going to come on up while I'm praying. So, Lord, we pray according to your instructions for our new president. We pray that you would Enable him to lead with godly wisdom from your word that he would govern with justice and righteousness and be an instrument of your blessing for every citizen of our country. We pray that you would use him to defend and deliver and rescue the poor, the needy, the oppressed people of our nation. We pray that you would create a love in his heart for them, that he would love those under-resourced, as his own life, do that in us as well. We pray that you would protect him and that he may serve long enough to perfectly fulfill your plan. Pray that you'd give him, by your grace, influence in the world arena with a powerful, positive, peaceful leadership and that you would bless him uh, daily. And Lord, enable us to obey you by your word, that we would be a blessing. Because we serve you, the King of the world, with great confidence. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Dogwood Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message. For more information and other sermons, visit dogwood.church. If you'd like to give to Dogwood Church, you can use your smartphone and text keyword dogwood to 779-77 or click the Give link online. You can now download the Dogwood Church app for Apple and Android devices for podcast, video, and more.